Live Creative Now, episode 129. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work. Because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion pluralite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find in an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color, creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie. Or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind or anything in between. No matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life and it's how you change the world because that is how it works. (laughs) Change your life and the world changes. So last Saturday, I was leading services at my synagogue because it was Yom Kippur. And every year I co-lead the three and a half hour service with another lay leader at my synagogue. Neither of us is a rabbi or a cantor, but every year we get to play one on TV for the crowd who shows up for the High Holy Days, because that is the relationship that most American Jews have with synagogues. They show up once a year for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are collectively known as the High Holy Days. And that has become my own relationship with my synagogue. I show up and lead services once a year. (laughs) And usually I get together with my co-leader a few weeks in advance to go over the service and plan out who's going to do what. And I put sticky notes in my book, which is called a machzor, to remind myself um, of who does what when. And when we get together, I am able to remind myself of the melodies and basically rehearse. But this year, there was no meeting with my co-leader because she was really busy as always. And when she, and I was really busy as always. And when she emailed to try to schedule a meeting, which was kind of last minute as always, (laughs) I was at my create and incubate, incubate retreat, my fifth annual create and incubate retreat. And then when she contacted me again, I was at a conference And although the dates for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur have quite literally been on the calendar for millennia, (laughs) it's not like it's a big surprise when they come around. They have been on the calendar for almost forever. I was so preoccupied with all the mishigas of my own little life that, well, I just never got around to rehearsing on my own. And guess what? The parts that I am weakest on, and let me assure you, there are parts in the service that I have always been weak on. 
I made a royal mess of. Seriously. I I really made a royal mess. One spot in particular in the Yom Kippur afternoon service at the near the end of the day, I, for a number of years, have chanted the Haftarah, which is the section after the Torah is read. It uh, It's Yom Kippur afternoon, it's the story of Jonah. And traditionally, it's chanted in Hebrew, but it's the custom in my synagogue that we do this in English rather than in Hebrew. But we use the traditional cantillation melodies, the trope. And I'm the one who does this Yom Kippur afternoon. So because it's in English, in in the Hebrew, the melodies are attached to the Hebrew words. And so there is a very there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. But because it's in English, there really is no right or wrong way to do it. So even though I screwed up the trope in several places, my scrubs really were not a big deal. I mean, there's maybe three people in the room who would have even noticed that I varied from the traditional trope. And there's no right way or wrong way to attach the trope to English words, because they're not made to go with English words. So that wasn't a big deal. But after before and after the Haftarah itself, there are traditional blessings that get chanted in Hebrew. And I have always felt a bit weak, let's face it, more than a bit weak on the traditional blessings that get chanted after the Haftarah. And guess what? I did not practice those. So the very last blessing after the Haftarah, I bombed. I totally bombed, as in full stop, deer in the headlights, brain fart, mangled. I mean, in actor parlance, I went up. I just like total silence. (laughs) I just stood there on the bima and total silence. And I felt my face get hot. I am sure I looked like a roasted beet. And I actually apologized. I I said something like, I'm sorry, I am having a complete brain spasm moment or something like that. And then I painfully stumbled my way through like, like a hogtied zombie. It was bad. It was really bad. It was embarrassing. That was the afternoon. It's really embarrassing. Before that, though, the three and a half hour morning service starting at like 930 in the morning, it just it didn't flow nearly as smoothly as it should have. Because I didn't have my little sticky notes telling me who does what because we had never met to talk over who does what. My co leader, she creates these running sheets, they're spreadsheets with who does what, which is all information from her brain. And instead of transferring that information onto the sticky notes into my book, which is what I've always done in the past in the context of having a meeting with her to talk through it. Since we never had that meeting, I decided to just try it her way, using the running sheet, using that spreadsheet, the printed out spreadsheet. So anytime there was 
you know, the next reading, the next blessing, the next poem to be read, whatever, uh, instead of having it, you know, here's the next thing to happen that's right in front of me in the Moxor, with a little sticky note next to it saying she reads it or I read it or she asks for a, a volunteer from the congregation to read it or whatever, or turn to page 33 in the supplement, or would somebody like to read the middle paragraph on page 126 in the Moxor, or let's sing together at the top of page 45, whatever. <laughs> Instead of having a sticky note in the book with those stage directions, I had to keep referring to this tiny little printed, these tiny little printouts on a letter-sized piece of paper, this running sheet. And I didn't know if my co-leader was supposed to be the person taking charge, or if I was supposed to be the person taking charge, unless I consulted that running sheet. And of course, that meant taking my eyes off the book. And of course, what you don't actually realize is that there's not just one book. There's also a supplement. And there's also an extra song sheet. So it gets really confusing really fast. And since my co-leader was the one who had made all the decisions about who was doing what, it was all inside her brain. But it wasn't inside my brain. And of course, as I said, we hadn't met to go over the services we usually do. So the upshot was that all of this referring back and forth from the book to the spreadsheet to the supplement to the spreadsheet made for a very clunky gap filled service. There were places in the service with, you know, air, dead air that should not have been there. And I did not like it. And all of this could have been very easily resolved if we had simply met in advance, like we usually do, to go over the services like we have done every other year, but we had we didn't do that. And we didn't because really, because I was waiting for her to reach out to me. Very stubbornly, I might add, with a sort of attitude of, if you want my help, then you're going to have to ask. And if you wait until it's too late, then too bad, I'm busy. And that's what happened. She waited until the last minute to reach out to me, which I figured was going to happen. And then she wanted to get together while I was away at my Create an Incubate retreat, my fifth annual Create an Incubate retreat. Woohoo! And then she tried again when I was away at a conference. And then when she wanted to do a brand new song, which requires, you know, some time to learn, and she wanted to get together on Thursday after the day after I flew home from Philadelphia on Wednesday from my conference, and Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur was starting on Friday, I put my foot down and I said, no. Yay me, I set a boundary. Woohoo! And lightning did not strike. But, but in the middle of the Yom Kippur service on Saturday, I realized that my attitude of waiting for her to reach out to me to schedule a get-together to go over the service is extremely tight and stingy. And I realized that not meeting with her in advance contributed to this feeling that I had 
like I was phoning it in. Phoning it in, which I did not like one bit. Now, I don't think anybody else perceived that I felt like I was phoning it in. Even if nobody else perceived my performance that way, my inner perception felt that way and it did not feel good. That was not a feeling that I wanted nor nor do I ever want to replicate again. If I am going to lead services, I don't want to bring my B game. Even if my B game is as good as somebody else's A game, which it may or may not be, I'm just saying, I want to bring my A game. And that means feeling prepared. That means taking the time that I need to rehearse in advance. That means meeting with my co-leader, not just a few days or a week or a day before the service, scrambling to squeeze an appointment into my busy schedule, which is honestly how it's happened up until now. No, that means at least a month beforehand and getting that appointment on the calendar well before that, right? And if my co-leader wants to add a new song to the mix, none of this last minute stuff. I need at least two months advance notice for a new song because it takes time to learn things. I do not want to be cramming. Can I do it? Yes, I can. Do I want to do it? No, I do not want to do it and I don't have to. So guess what? I made those my requirements for engagement going forward. If they want me to continue to help leading services, which by the way, are 100% volunteer, it's not like I'm getting paid. If they want me to continue to help leading services, I am more than happy to do so. More than happy to do so. I love leading services, but I want to do it. I want to bring my A game and I so in order for that to happen, these requirements have to be met. So I drew a line in the sand. I set boundaries, folks. And guess what? My co-leader was delighted. She said it would force her to be more organized, which would be good for her. And she immediately looked at the calendar for next year. And she asked what my August was like, because Rosh Hashanah starts on September 9th. And so what was my early August like? And I said, I'll be in Paris the second half of the month at the Applied Improvisation Network Conference. So we booked a meeting for the first Sunday in August. Look at us planning a year in advance. So I will get sticky notes in my machzor the way I like. So all of the stage directions are right where I can easily reference to them, reference them, refer to them, (laughs) rather than having to look back and forth from book to spreadsheet and back, which doesn't work for me. And because we'll be meeting a month beforehand, that means I will get started early on reviewing the melodies and reminding myself which 
parts of the service are my weak spots and need work. And I will have four weeks to work on them rather than a hopeless last minute cram the night before, like this year. And that feels so good. It feels generous rather than stingy. And I am actually looking forward to next year rather than resenting it. And I realized my resentment was my lack of boundaries as resentment so often is. Because as I figured out long ago during my dating days, resentment is anger at myself misdirected at you through the lens of victimhood. And I'm going to say it, say that again, because it's important and it might be a little hard for you to wrap your head around. Resentment is anger at myself misdirected at you through the lens of victimhood. Resentment is anger at one's self misdirected at someone else through the lens of victimhood. Meanwhile, remember that awful moment up on the Bhima in the afternoon of Yom Kippur when I totally mangled the blessing after the Haftarah because I wasn't prepared? Oh my God, that was painful. Yes. But here's the beautiful thing. I noticed that the shame and humiliation, which was very real, dissipated within just a few minutes. And in fact, actually, it wasn't true shame at all. Because as Brene Brown explains, Brene Brown being a best-selling author and shame researcher and viral TED Talk speaker, humiliation is, I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. And I did not at any point in my <laughs> most painful moments think I am bad. I thought, man, I, I really blew it. <laughs> I did something really lame. <laughs> but I did not think I am a bad person. There is something wrong with me as a human being. So it wasn't technically shame. Anyway, I was very annoyed at myself for being so underprepared. And I also realized after I sat down <laughs> that, you know, I could have cha- chosen to do the blessings after the Haftarat in English, <laughs> and that would have completely removed that awful moment. I wouldn't have experienced that awful moment. I could have made it, made it a teaching moment. I could have said like, hey, you know what? We, we at this synagogue chant the Haftarah in English but we never look at the blessings in English. We never chant those in English. So let's do that today. I could have even made up a chant for them. Nobody would have even known that my Hebrew was so ridiculously weak there. They would have just thought, huh, that was new and different. How interesting. They might not have liked it, but it would have eliminated all of my pain in that moment. So that was something I could have done. So there were a couple of ways that I was really annoyed at myself. I screwed up the blessing because I hadn't rehearsed completely my bad. And I didn't think in that moment 
that, gee, I could do this blessing in English and just, you know, get my, let myself off the hook (laughs) for not knowing the Hebrew blessing as well as I wish I did. But regardless, in that moment afterwards, when I was feeling so embarrassed, I also knew that beating myself up about it was not useful. And hey, people just got to see me being human. How cool is that? How cool is it that people got to see me being human? Also, my big mess up taught me in no uncertain terms that I never want to experience that again. So this whole thing is a fabulous case study, fabulous example of my golden formula in action. My golden formula, which I, if you've listened to my podcast at all, you know, you've heard it, probably heard me say it uh, many, many times. Self-awareness plus self-compassion equals the key to everything good. Self-awareness plus self-compassion equals the key to everything good. So let's break that down. Self-awareness is the fact that I noticed my stingy feeling. I noticed that I wasn't feeling prepared. I noticed that internal feeling of kind of phoning it in, bringing my B game instead of my A game. I noticed that massively messing up and how that feels doesn't feel good. And I, and I, and also realizing though, that I could always at any time choose to read or chant in English. So that's the self-awareness piece, all of that noticing, right? The self-compassion piece is responding to all of that noticing with self-forgiveness with self-kindness, and with generosity. It's asking, what's the most loving, open-hearted way to respond here? Well, setting boundaries for one, getting really clear that, yes, I would love to participate and continue to lead services, but these are my requirements for participation. And by the way, here's a tip. It may sound counterintuitive, but setting boundaries is always, always the most loving, open-hearted way to respond. Hmm. Setting boundaries is always the most loving, open-hearted way to respond. Think about that for a while. When you can approach every situation with this kind of learning mindset, self-awareness plus self-compassion, even a not so often, not so awesome experience like I just had can become awesome because of what you get out of it in the end. So this year's High Holy Day Services were not my best in terms of the performance I delivered, how I felt about that performance. But in terms of 
overall gifts of what I gained from them, I would say they were off the charts. So pretty neat, huh? All right, now it's time for something cool. This week's something cool is my Fitbit Alta. I am so excited about this. My mom got a Fitbit Alta and she lost it. So she got a new one and then she found the old one and she gave the old one to me as an early birthday present. And I have to say, I absolutely love it. Not only does it track steps, which, you know, I don't think the steps are really that accurate, but hey, I don't care if the actual steps that I walk are tracked 100% accurately. What I care about is that the general amount of stepping (laughs) that I'm doing today compared to yesterday, compared to two days ago, compared to tomorrow, whatever, that 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 it's tracking the general amount of movement that I'm getting. That's what I care about. And I think it probably does a pretty good job of that. Not only does it track my steps, but it also tracks my sleep, which is pretty darn cool. How accurate is that? I don't really know. But (laughs) but I was already trying to track my sleep using just an app that I was having to tap when I, you know, would go to sleep and then tap when I would wake up, which, you know, was certainly not very accurate and would require me to be awake (laughs) in order to tap it on and off, which is not very useful when you're trying to sleep. Plus, my Fitbit is connected to my iPhone. And it lets me know by vibrating on my wrist, giving me a little buzz, when texts and phone calls are coming in, which is supremely helpful, since I tend to get really distracted (laughs) and focused on what I'm doing. And so I miss important messages. And if that idea makes you go, oh, I don't want my I don't want my wrist to be bothering me. I don't want my Fitbit something buzzing on my wrist. You can just set your phone to do not disturb mode if you don't want your wrist to be vibrating. So I find it supremely helpful. I had a Fitbit zip before, which clips on your belt or your pocket or something, which I liked a lot. There was a piece of swag that my husband got from the place that he used to work. Um, But this, the Alta, is just a great upgrade. And I was really concerned that it wouldn't work with my treadmill desk since I'm usually typing while I walk. And so my hand is not moving very much. But to my great delight, it captures my typing steps just the same way that my zip, Fitbit zip did. Plus, it has all the other awesome features. And because I wear it on my wrist, I don't have to worry about it falling into the toilet as my zip has been known to do <laughs> if I, if it's not clipped in the right way onto whatever it is that I'm wearing. So that's my something cool, my Fitbit Alta. I really like it. So that is it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I would be super duper appreciative if you would take a moment to hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot, not just to me personally. It's not this that you're stroking my ego, although, hey, that doesn't hurt. 
but the it's how other people find the show because when people are doing a search for a podcast, podcasts with a lot of good reviews are the ones that pop up in people's searches. So every review helps. So if you could go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review, it really does make a difference. And if you email me to let me know that you left a review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life, that is how you can apply to be considered for a listener spotlight. Send me that email, let me know you've left a review and how the podcast has made a difference in your own life. And I might pick you to feature you on the podcast. We'll have a really fun, relaxed conversation and you'll be on the show. How cool is that? That is it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Live creative now. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.